Welcome to the Indie Matters Podcast. I'm John Ralston, the editor of the Nevada Independent. Here's this week's interview. I'm Daniel Rothberg, and this week on Indie Matters, we're talking with Reno Mayor Hillary Sheevy to discuss issues facing the region from housing to strip clubs. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. First, I want to ask about the news over the weekend. You made a pretty big endorsement in the governor's race. You endorsed the chair of the Clark County Commission, Steve Sisolak, a Democrat from Las Vegas. Can you walk us through the endorsement and why you decided to weigh in on the governor's race? Right. Well, um, I think right now we're kind of at a pivotal time in in the entire state of Nevada. But for me, um, I have to really say that obviously being a mayor, I'm very focused on what's happening right here at home and the local issues that sort of face all mayors. And so um, I've had a lot of long conversations with Commissioner Sisolak on a lot of the things that they face locally and and the things that um, really are some of their biggest challenges. And really, to me, I think it's the first time that actually local government could possibly really be part of that conversation at the legislature. And certainly Commissioner Sisolak, you know, knows about that. And we share a lot of um, the same concerns. And those concerns really, like I said, are right here at home. They're at the ground level. And those are affordable housing. It's mental illness. Mental illness is a big one for me. Um, Homeless issues, things of that nature, infrastructure, small business, things that um, really are people issues, not party issues. And so I felt very strongly about that because you can really understand the magnitude of the challenges at the local level. And a lot happens at the legislature during the short period of time. And then at the end of the day, it comes back to local governments. And we're left with with a lot of those challenges. So it's actually been, you know, for me, it's been refreshing to see someone run that understands the local environment that really affect people, especially healthcare. That's a huge one. And I've had a kidney transplant. I know how expensive medications are for people. Um, I have dear friends, certainly um, a friend of mine, Emily Reese, that's facing cancer. And so you hear these stories, obviously, as a mayor, and you have to wonder um, that these are critical times and critical issues for our state. So you're going to appear in an ad with him? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to you. <laughs> are you on the campaign or what? <laughs> it's, it's September. It's campaign season. Oh, yeah, I have to start with the, the, start ads, with the political right? questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't talked about that. But no, and I'm very focused at home. I mean, we have so much going on in, in the city. And I will tell you, when I ran four years ago, we had very different challenges that we have today. Four years ago, um, we were faced with some of the highest unemployment and foreclosures in the country right next to Florida. So we had real challenges. And so I came in and I really said, hey, I want to rebrand our city. I want to diversify. Certainly, um, you know, gaming is one aspect of our economy, but it's really been great to sort of diversify with technology and transportation, logistics, And um, matter of fact, look at what we're sitting here today at the Innovation Center. And so those are the kinds of things that I'm really proud of. I mean, we've had a lot of national press. I really worked hard on rebranding this city to be a great place to live, work, play. And we've been, you know, beating records. 
um, certainly with tourism and, and um, heads and beds, as they call it, and things like that. But also, you know, the secret is out. We have 320 days of sunshine, obviously being the proximity being so close to the Bay Area is an attribute, but also the tax structure. So we really had a lot to sort of go out there and tout, which I'm really, really proud of. Um, you know, so we really focused on creating jobs. We focused on diversifying our economy, things like that, rebranding our city's image. But now today with success comes challenges. And now I'm facing very different challenges. So um, it's certainly a different focus now into the next four years. I'm curious, you endorsed Commissioner Sisolak in the governor's race. You endorsed Hillary Clinton in the presidential race, both Democrats, but you consider yourself an independent. So where do you see yourself falling politically these days? Right. Um, For me, it's always been about people, um, not party. Uh, I'm definitely an independent. I always have been. I I did vote for a Republican in in one of the presidential races. (laughs) I... um, I really, I think a lot of people are like that. I hear that more than ever today, where young people especially are saying, I don't see it black and white. And that's the way I am. And I think with mayors, especially, we always laugh and we say, you know, there's no Democratic or Republican way to clean a street. And a lot of our issues at the ground level are people issues. They're not party issues. So for me, I think you have to have a lot of compassion for people to understand that and also realize things are not black and white. But I'm also a small business owner. So I'm very cognizant of, um, you know, like our budget. I'm really proud that we've paid down our budget by $200 million. And, you know, we've really paid attention and um, kept our eye on the ball when it comes to finances. And I think, you know, for me, um, again, it's not being black and white. It's also listening to both sides. And I think now more than ever, we have to work with both sides. So it's never personal. It's really about people. Let's talk about some of the things you just raised, which are some of the challenges you're facing as a city and a council. I'll start with housing. In April, the median home price hit 400000 for the first time. And I'm sure in city council meetings, you've heard complaints about affordable housing, traffic, there's an increasing homeless population, and more and more vulnerable residents are at the edge, maybe one step away from becoming homeless. How big of an issue is this for you? And would you say that Reno is facing, quote, housing crisis? I, I think so. And, and I'll tell you, it's not just Reno. It's, I, I work with a lot of other mayors and other cities all over the country are, are facing similar issues. Certainly um, for Reno, we're hearing it much more now than ever before. And a lot of that has to do with different companies and people coming here because Reno is an attractive place to live. And I, I still hear people, you know, from the Bay Area that say, wow, it's still really affordable here, right? But my goal is to really keep people who live here to stay here. And I think that's really essential, especially you look at other cities and most of their workforce works and they live outside the city. And that is something I don't want to have happen. I want our teachers to stay here. I want our first responders to stay here. And so that to me is, is really, really critical. So we kind of saw this trend happening about two years ago. And I will tell you this, it's probably our biggest priority at the city of Reno right now. Um, 
it is our our main focus. I don't think we've done a very good job of telling the story, um, to be honest with you, of where we started and where we're going, because we really have been aggressive about it. But we have to continue to keep our eye on the ball. And we've done several things that I think are going to help. But we still have much more work to do. And that's like inclusionary zoning, right? Mm -hmm. um, those are one of the initiatives that will be brought up um, at council to look at that and density requirements. It's there's, it's really challenging because it's not just one problem that contributes to this housing crisis, right? Land now has become now more expensive than ever here. So it's getting more difficult for developers to come in and do affordable housing. So we did create um, the Community Land Trust and a lot of cities are doing it and seeing that work really well and being successful. And then the other thing is we've now had about 1,600 units of affordable housing come into the market, but we need all types of housing. And so that really is essential too. But doing these private and public partnerships um, are, are really providing a big win in the community. We just did a project on Sage Street that we just did the groundbreaking for, and it's shared housing. It's become kind of a popular concept with millennials and seniors. And that project um, will be, bring in about 200 units under about $400 a month in rent. And I think projects like that are really important because they're transitional housing. And now today we're seeing more than ever people with jobs become homeless. And also a lot of when we went through the recession, a lot of our workforce moved out of the area. So we've also had difficulty trying to get um, you know, workers back into this market. And then also the, you know, the supply becomes much more expensive, the cost of goods. So we're hearing that a lot with developers, but on the Sage Street project, that was um, a piece of land from the city. And then other developers came in and actually the community foundation was a godsend and raised $4 million for this project. And so we're really excited. And it's, it's something that has not really been done all over the country so we don't really have a model to go by and I think in some ways you know we're taking chances but I think that's what we have to do to see really what works because we can't stand back and sort of watch this happen and you know there's other things like looking at good landlord programs I mean I'm hearing horror stories of landlords raising the rent by four or five hundred dollars and that's becoming incredibly concerning. And then, so like a tenants' bill of rights or something. Like that. Exactly, protection for tenants. I think are really important. And then, um, you know, that that to me has become very concerning. So, and then also we have the challenge with the motels, and I'm they ask about that, yeah. right. And you got to remember the motels provide a, you know housing for a lot of people, and certainly people that are in vulnerable situations. And also looking at their rights because they really don't have any either. And remember, they're in those places because a lot of people can't afford a massive down payment or don't have right. the credit to get into housing. So we have to look at all those issues, what makes it very challenging. We saw a lot of motels close in sort of recently right. and pretty quickly. Do you think too many motels sort of left are closed mm -hmm. too quickly. Well, what's interesting, really taking a look at it, those motels were never built for long-term housing. Mm -hmm. And that also becomes a challenge because now I'm 
I'm getting reports that some of these motels are charging $1,200 a month for a room that's 150 square feet. And I, so when you look at that, it, it, you have to be careful and make sure that these people are not being taken advantage of as well. But I've been in a lot of those motels. I spend a lot of time in them because um, I have a, a good friend that lives in one. And um, I have to tell you, the conditions are absolutely um, deplorable in some of them. Now, there's a lot of good business owners that run, you know, some of their motels um, in the manner in which they should be, right? So you have to be careful about penalizing people that are doing the right thing and, and running them the way they should be. But there, I have to tell you, some of the conditions have been absolutely horrendous. We've seen bedding that hasn't been changed in 20 years and um, running water and mold and, and things like that that are incredibly dangerous. So, so what, the you, city's become very aggressive with going in there and we just we just came up with an ordinance where we will um, c c go in and inspect every single motel room and to make sure that those conditions are um, adequate for people to live in. Right. I guess in, in addition to the inspection aspect of it, what what if anything is the city doing sort of to replace the hotel the the weekly motels that are coming that are closing or with something right. sort of a similar product not mm -hmm. being replaced by something that pushes people out right well and and that's one thing is looking at tenant relocations before we do take down these motels but also a lot of them were in a position that never should have probably been um, you know in working working order. So, um, but tenant relocations before, um, they do take down any of the motels because they were never, um, in a position to be long-term housing. And that's why many of them are falling apart. And so, but through Reno housing authority, we're coming up with an initiative to do that. So before we take them down, we'll be able to, to place them. And, um, a lot of the new landowners that are coming in, um, have really started to be good partners and look at how they can replace some of those. And, and that's what we did with Reno Housing Authority is started to work with these new property owners before um, they do take them out of the market. On some of these issues around housing and homelessness, do you see a role for the legislature in the next session? I absolutely do, because I think one of the things is really looking at, you know, I obviously, I, I'm a big proponent of economic development. I um, absolutely agree with certain things that, um, you know, Sandoval has done and a lot of the work that the legislature has done. But I think, again, going back to local issues and looking what local government faces about subsidizing and incentivizing companies that come here um, without providing housing or public safety. These are some of my biggest challenges. I want more police officers on the street. I want a better quality of life. I want better housing for people. And I think that's absolutely something um, when we get into next legislative session that we should definitely be looking at a bill so that um, cities aren't left behind. With everything we were talking about with economic development and some of the ways you've seen things change in the last several years, do you feel that maybe the state got ahead of itself with handing out incentives to all these companies and encouraging all these companies to come in? Um, do, do you think that the municipalities were prepared in terms of the services that they needed to provide, like housing and like police and fire, things like right, that? Right, right. Well, I think that's an, a great question because, 
you have to remember, before I got to the city, we laid off 700 employees. And we really are now just playing catch up of all those years of neglect. And so having those companies are here that are coming here are great. But at the same time, I think there needs to be requirements of to require housing if you're going to come into a city or um, something, you know, for public safety. I want more police officers. I want better housing. I want a better quality of life. And I think certainly before we give out incentives, we need to look at what kind of impact does that make on a city? And these are things that the city council is definitely challenged with now. I mean, look at some of our infrastructure issues and and definitely different parts of, of the city are more affected than others. But seeing the rents increase like this is incredibly alarming. And certainly for me, because I've always known Reno to be a great quality of life and I want it to continue to be that way. And certainly for the people that I have lived here forever. I don't want them to have to, you know, move their entire life because they can no longer afford this city. And so those are absolute questions and bills that need to be explored at the legislature because, again, local governments are left with those challenges. So I want to ask a couple questions about infrastructure. Specifically, I'm interested in your position on the ballot measure that the Truckee River mm-hmm. Management Authority has proposed. I know the the Truckee River Flood Management Authority is proposed. I know the count, the Washoe County Commission approved the ballot measure earlier this summer. Yeah. And it looks at raising the property taxes slightly, I think about 2.48 cents per $100 of assessed valuation to pay for, I think, about $82 million in bonds for different flood control projects, widening the Truckee River channel, levees, things like that. Mm-hmm. Are you in support of that ballot measure? No, I, I'm not. I'm not in support of, of raising taxes. And I'll tell you why. Um, because everyone in the city is already paying an existing tax. And I think sometimes we think that money's going to solve things, and it just doesn't. And I think, too... Looking at it differently now, knowing the challenges that we've seen with other parts of the city and and the flooding issues like in the North Valleys, um, I think we need to go back to the legislature and look at how we deal with the other areas and not just the Truckee River. Um, I think that's essential to really look at other parts of, of the city and the county, how they're affected. So I don't think when, when you throw money at something, it, it's necessarily going to fix the problem. And I think you know, raising taxes is is not the right way to do it, to say, this is how we fix it. So for me, I'm opposed to it. And the existing tax that we have already, I think going back to the legislature and looking at the rest of the city um, that has tremendous issues with flooding, like I said, the North Valleys and, you know, the climate pattern has changed so dramatically. I mean, all, all across the country, it's not just, you know, in my city, but I think that needs to be addressed. What other challenges are we going to face? And that's what really concerns me. And so um, that's why I think going back to the drawing table and really looking about what does the future look like in our entire city? So would you like to see the flood authority basically expanded? Yeah, I would. I I would like to see them pay attention to to other areas. I think, like I said, I think it's changed so dramatically. And we weren't prepared for some of the flooding that we we had seen 
in the North Valleys. And, and I don't think that that's fair to the rest of the residents. Do you think enough has been done for, for the North Valleys and some of the flooding in those closed basins? Well, you know, it's really challenging because it, you know, it started out at the county and, um, and, and I've been very frustrated. And I have to tell you, you have to really think about those people out there that have been affected. So I think looking at it now, um, DRI is coming in and the Corps of Engineers is coming in and looking how they can reduce the flooding that's happened in the area. And I think that's a great thing. But I also think, you know, how do we make them whole? And that's important working with the county and making sure that they um, have enough money and, and the things that they need because it's really been challenging. And then the other thing I think looking at, what is the plan out there, right? Mm-hmm. About what is the direction? Because, um, you know, sewer has been an issue. And I think we have to be very clear with the messaging. So certainly people that want to build and expand out there have an idea of what that looks like. And so that's one thing that the city council has been really pushing um, at the staff level to get a plan in place, working with, you know, council member McKenzie, since it's his ward and really paying attention to how we move forward, but also being really clear about the messaging of, you know, people that want to develop out there, because we certainly don't want to make it worse. Do you think there's enough infrastructure right now, like at this time to support more development projects out there? Well, that's one of the things is we're getting studies right now to see where we're at. And again, that comes back with the messaging of people need to know you can't I don't want people purchasing land out there. And then there's this huge uncertainty of what's going to happen. And not to mention for the residents, they need to have some some certainty. And that's what the council is working on right now. So I am hopeful that we will have um, we will have a plan in place so that everyone can sort of prepare because that's been the hard part is, you know, there's a lot of people. Can we can't we, you know, residents don't know and. And certainly that's what we've asked staff to do is really get us a plan in place so that we can um, be really sure about what the future looks like out there. Why would a developer go out there right now if there is this sort of uncertainty? Well, you never know. It just depends, I think, on the developer. I mean, you there's a lot of development coming into the city that's not even from here. So that's an, another reason is that I think that we need to be very clear about when you come in for a project, what those challenges are, right? And so that's the one thing I think, and that's just, you know, all over the city, I'm seeing developers come in, you know, from out of the area. And I think that, again, um, the city has to really, really understand what those challenges are. And that's what those studies are are doing right now. I, I will tell you, I I don't think, and this was before I got there, um, you know, there was the Quadnoff study and, and things like that. And I don't think that we've done a good job. I will just say that. I mean, I think it's one of those those areas that certainly, you know, I don't think we were prepared or planned well. And I think that's what we need to change moving forward. I guess this is sort of a technical question or sort of a... Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. or sort of a question about how government works in a sense, but you do have a situation where, where they did do a study on lemon Valley and correct me if I'm wrong, but the study showed that there, there were studies that showed that there was a flood risk, but 
housing, you know, was permitted there anyway. So even if you have a study, how do you actually apply that to making sort of smart better or decisions. yeah, better decisions? And I think you're, I think, you know, that's a good point when you have those and, and they show that. And again, that's back to, I don't think we did a very good job. And that's what I think we have the ability to change now moving forward, right? Now, knowing that, let's make sure that we are very clear on what those parameters are when it comes to building, because we certainly have seen the effects of the people that live there now. So let's not make the same mistake moving forward. And I think those are really important to look at. Um, and like I said, you know, a lot of that was done before you know, I was on the council. And so I think we can certainly learn from our mistakes moving forward. So another, and I just want to point out, I'm not trying to say, oh, that, you know, happened before, you know, my responsibility now is how we move forward. And, and so I, you know, I want to take on that responsibility and make sure again, what are those parameters when it comes to development? Another thing the Reno City Council has been looking at is how to regulate strip clubs downtown. And I know that at times the city council has even looked at pushing them out of downtown into other areas. I think in August, the council voted to move forward on regulations for strip clubs. At the time, I read in the RGJ that a lawyer for one of the clubs said that the city of Reno looks like the oppressive government in The Handmaid's Tale. What do you, where are you on this issue at this point? Well, um, thanks for asking, because I think a lot of people just read headlines and and um, they don't really know where sort of everyone's standing. And I think, you know, this um, was brought to us and, and the first initiative was, hey, let's move them because that will take care of the problems and it will clean up the issues that we're having um, inside the strip clubs. And I actually voted against moving them, and there were several reasons for that. Um, the majority of the council voted, um, but I think for me, it really bothered me that we were going to just move them in another part of town and make them someone else's issue. And so I think if you want to tackle an issue head on, um, what are those issues, right? So there were sort of complaints of what was happening inside those clubs. And, and I want them in a place where they can be well-regulated, well-lit. They, ha- they can be patrolled. They can be where places where people can see them so that, you know, the supposed activity is not happening um, where we just brush them into a whole other district. And when you do that, too, you also run the risk of, okay, now we've zoned them here. You can have 15 others that pop up. And I don't want any more in our city. You know, we're, we're working really hard to change a lot of our, our image and, and the economic development piece of this of the city. And so for me, I was um, I, I was against moving them. And there were a lot of people upset about that. But I really think if you're going to look at the problem, let's look about what what is supposedly happening inside. And and that got really interesting, too, because um we had a city attorney that went in with um, an, a private investigator, and and I, for me, I feel that you know our own law enforcement should have um, been kept apprised of the situation and and how that was handled, and so um, and then I also think you have to be very careful about making policy and, and 
picking and choosing one business over another. I mean, you might not like, you know, that type of business, but you certainly have to be very careful um, looking at, you know, picking and choosing the businesses that, you know, you, you invade or whatever you want to call that. But for me, so I was really dead set against moving them. And it's more about if there's issues inside, let's fix those issues. If that's, they need more cameras or they change the age of the dancers or, um, you know, require work cards for everyone, then those are things I absolutely support. So let's clean them up. But I think moving them into a whole zoned area is a very bad idea. It's sort of that out of sight, out of mind mentality. And again, I want them in places where they're heavily patrolled and well lit. And um, for me, I just, I felt very strongly about that. Is moving them off the table at this point? Um, I think, you know, right now what we're dealing with um, is, you know, the conditions of what's happening inside. That's what we've kind of now come back to. And then, you know, down the road, um, that will come back to the city council. So, but right now I think, you know, dealing, let's deal with what the supposed issues from, um, you know, this investigator, you know, brought up. And actually a lot of the council went and toured some of these clubs. And so it really kind of gave us a, a firsthand look at, you know, what can we change and how can we make those businesses um, comply? And, and so I'm glad that they're, that council members are, you know, doing their due diligence. I think that's important, but I want to go back to, you know, if, if the practices are questionable, let's clean those up. What do you think is driving some of the conversation around the strip clubs, particularly looking at the strip clubs in downtown? Is it, do you think it's related to some of the efforts to like the downtown makeover and things like that? Well, I think it's some of that. And then I, and to be honest with you, I think for some people it's a moral issue. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you have to be careful. That's especially when it comes to policy, um, about going after businesses because of, you know, what they do. I'm not saying that I promote it or, you know, it's, it's something for me that, you know, I, that I condone, but who am I to, you know, judge, um, anyone for, you know, how they want to live their life. I don't, I don't want to be that type of person. I, you know, want to come obviously from compassion, but I also certainly want to make sure we protect those women. Um, you know, I think that's important, but I do think, you know, there's sort of that economic development side of it, but then I honestly, I'll tell you, um, I've, I've read a lot of emails and, um, for a lot of people, it's a moral issue. And, you know, I, and here's the other thing, and I'm going to tell you this too. They I mean, haven't been, um, you know, I, I will, I will say this, they've been difficult to work with. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, you drive by and there's this signage and it, and, um, and that was really alarming to see that type of signage and that children can, you know, just sort of be exposed to that. And when you reach out to a business and say, look, I'm getting a lot of complaints and, you know, let's, you know, let's take down the signage and then that doesn't happen. You know, it gets, it gets challenging, but that's, you know, that's not why, but I think you have to have good partners in the community. And that's been a little disappointing, but I will say this, that, um, it's been in the last, I would say month that they've been much better, been at the table, been really trying to work with the city. And, and so 
I commend them for that. But, you know, I would tell you that it was a struggle and they, they did some things like attacking our city attorney and, and things of that nature that I certainly don't agree with. And, um, you know, we all have to live in this community together. So I want everyone to be respectful of each other. And, um, you know, I, I, in the last month I've, I've definitely seen a change. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I know we talked about a little bit about the flood authority, housing, homelessness as possible issues for the 2019 legislative session, but is there anything else that the city's going to be pushing for? Well, I think right now it's a little too early to tell what's going to come down. I mean, you you know this, I know this. Things can change at the very last hour. You know, I've seen bills change at 2 a.m. Right. I think we're definitely going to be looking at it. Public safety is a big one for me. Mm-hmm. I want more police officers. I want more firefighters. Um, you know, looking sort of also body cameras. Is there, it's also very new. Marijuana. Um, now, one thing more than ever is that um, you know, if I'm to be reelected for the next four years, I want to really look at education. We haven't been at the table because it is, you know, a different governing board. But for me, I think education is so essential um, in cities and and to really be a part of that conversation. And now more than ever, because of the development that we're looking at, we need to be working uh, with the school district and and seeing those challenges firsthand, because I think that's where government really fails us is that we don't have all the parties at the table. And again, going back to having local government be at the legislature. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic down there. It's kind of like when you walk in, they're like, oh, you know, you guys are here. (laughs) It's interesting. You know, it reminds me kind of, you know, it's just the, high school. Yeah, the, the walls of high school. Yeah. There's the popular ones, then there's not the popular <laughs> ones. It just kind of reminds me a little bit of that. And so I'd like to really change that dialogue. Again, going back to, you know, um, Commissioner Sisolak at the at the local level and understanding what challenges we face. What about CDBG funding and, and the, the things that um, those types of um, you know, those types of programs provide. I mean, it's really essential. And then, you know, expanding on the great work that Governor Sandoval's done. I think he's been a class act and I, I would like to see um, a lot of his initiatives continue to move forward because I think he's done a great job. But again, I think, you know, moving into the legislative session, keeping a watchful eye, certainly on public safety, housing is, is critical. Again, I want to make sure that we're not incentivizing these companies here without thinking about housing and public safety. For me, it really is a great quality of life that we have here in Reno. And I always say a safe city is a prosperous city. I've heard that the Washoe County public lands bill might come back up soon. And I was wondering, though, the Washoe County public lands bill is sort of based off the Las Vegas model of Southern Nevada Public Lands okay, Act, and now <laughs> <laughs> it's better that. than saying We're... it's better than saying SNIPLMA, the acronym. <laughs> but um, yeah, but, I mean, uh, we're very different in the South. We, we but don't want it, a the, lost the, concept sim, the concept is the concept is similar, where they would be able to dispose BLM land or federal land, so they they'd be able to sell off federal land to developers. It would open up new land to developers potentially that's currently managed by the federal government, they would pay for that. It would go back to the city or the state right. as projects or, or in, in different formats. But the bill has been controversial for several different reasons from several different groups. It would cut into wilderness a little bit. 
as well. So I'm curious, what what is your position right now on the current draft of the Washer Well, I will tell you, it's been interesting because the first time that we kind of saw it, we were not in support. And for, you know, for several reasons. And I think certainly up in the North, it's very different. Um, you know, we really protect our, our lands here and the wilderness and the open space is really, really important for us. So, um, so we really weren't supportive. And then speaking with um, a couple county commissioners, we voiced that concern and said, look, you know, you need to be working with some of these stakeholders in order for us to feel comfortable with this. And so they went back to the drawing board and we haven't had an update yet, but it's certainly something that we're going to watch at the city of Reno and see how it plays out. You know, I, I actually um, want to commend um Senator Masto and and Congressman Amaday, because they've really said, hey, if you guys can't get on the same page together, then it's really hard for us to support this. And so I'm really grateful that they're, you know, waiting for us to really weigh in and look at it and and respect, um, you know, where we're coming from, from the city side. Right now, I still think um, they need to continue to reach out to those stakeholders and preservationists. And that's important to us. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Northern Nevada is so different than Southern Nevada. I mean, we, we really um, pay attention to our open space and and preserving those that land. So for us, it's something right now we're we're watching, mm-hmm. and um, we like I said, we were not supportive, and we want to make sure that this is done right. Do you think it's necessary? Do I think what's necessary? This a public lands bill for Washoe? I absolutely do because I think we have to protect our land. Otherwise, I think you could really be in in trouble. Um, so I think for, for the city of Reno and my council, it's something that we're watching very closely. It's something we care a lot about. And again, in the North, I mean, I mean, just look around, we, we have some of the most incredible landscape in the, in the country. And for us, that's essential. And, you know, so we're, we're paying close attention, but again, um, I would say that, you know, if they're not doing their homework and reaching out to the stakeholders and, um, you know, we'll, we'll know what that looks like, you know, moving forward. But right now, um, we were not supportive and, and hope that they can, um, come to an agreement, but you know, we'll see what happens. I guess my last question is just reflecting on this year, not your whole term as mayor. I know a lot of people ask that question, but just reflecting on this year, what's one thing that you wish you'd done better or feel like maybe is mm-hmm. something that you've looked back on? That's such said, a great question. That's not, that's not right. Well, you know, I I have to say, I, I'm hard on myself. So I, I probably do that every day, right? I mean, we're human. And so um, I'm pretty critical of of myself. And, um, and I'm also a workaholic, which probably isn't good. But at the same time, I, I love this city. I was born and raised here. Um, and so it's been pretty amazing to see the changes. But at the same time, you know, you want to be able to preserve a great quality of life. I'm, I'm trying to think, I mean, in the last year, if there's one thing, I mean, I think there's things I can always improve upon. I certainly, you know, I'm, I'm human. I make mistakes. Absolutely. Um, I just, you know, I look to a lot of different people in the community that are much smarter than I am. I think that that's essential always, you know, coming from a place that um, you don't know everything, but there's a lot of people out there that 
that do. And, and I think that really is important to really come from a place again, you know, it's about people in our city and kindness and compassion is really important. I mean, now more than ever, people are on social media and they're angry and they care more about the likes that they get versus, you know, the the things that are really happening at home. And, you know, I I just see a lot of negativity Mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't want to play into that. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to make sure that we stay on track in, in Reno and that we really come from a positive place and we're doing everything we can to, to be better. So for me, um, you know, I don't want to get into that or be a part of that. I think that's important. I don't think people want that anyway. I think when you look at Washington, people are so discouraged and they're angry and, you know, maybe we tweet less and, and do, and do those, you know, just be kind to one another. I want us to be a, a kind, compassionate city. Other than tweeting less though, but is there one <laughs> thing where you feel like maybe as a council or as a mayor, you, you missed out on, or you didn't, you know, you feel like a, you should have made a different decision. Sorry to no, I think press it's a on great, it, but I'm, I'm just curious. I think it's a great question. I mean, that, that's a hard one for me because I'm so critical on myself. So I probably could name off, you know, 200 things. I, that's just how I am. But, you know, I don't know. I think there are times where it's, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I'm trying to think of one, like give you a specific, <laughs> like I'm trying to find like a, a specific, um, you know, I would, well, one of the things I would say is, is the North Valleys. I mean, we, we sat down, um, Councilwoman Dewar and I, we sat down with, um, a woman by the name of Tammy Holtstill and she's got a lot of passion and I love that about her. And I, I do think that, you know, there are times where I feel like, you know, we failed her and, and, you know, that that's upsetting. And I don't, I don't want to be, um, you know, that, that person, I, I want us to do whatever we can to help her. So we've really been pushing for that, but I get very frustrated with the different, different elements of the government red tape. I mean, there's always that government timing that just, it takes forever. And I can see the frustration in her when she comes to council and, and I really, you know, can understand why, you know, the residents would be so angry. So, Again, I think let's not make the mistakes of the past. Let's do something for the future to protect those people. And I think, you know, that's what we, you know, there are times where I think, you know, I guess, you know, public comment, I always feel like I've, I've failed a lot of people and that's hard to hear. Right. I'm, I'm sensitive. Just hearing the public comment or. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's people that come to council with very legitimate concerns and it, they can come with a concern that might not even have anything to do with the city. And, and you know, I'm upset by it. So I want to be able to help everyone. And unfortunately, you know, that's not always possible. So I think, you know, when public comment happens, there are times that I just feel like, gosh, can't we do more? I mean, even on the Washington level, whenever I'm in Washington and, and fighting for health care and, and things that are important to my city. It just, sometimes it's easy to get frustrated. And so I just feel like, you know, we're just never moving fast enough. And for me, that's, you know, I always feel like disappointed. And, um, and then, you know, I think it's interesting 
then a lot of people don't understand some of the structure of government and what's at a city level versus a state level and and the way that it works, right? So right. it seems like there's only so much you can do until it gets to, you know, that other level that you have to deal with that can be frustrating. Right. And I think people don't really understand that the role of the mayor is I'm the same vote as everyone else. And, right. you know, it's something that I feel very strongly about. Things have really changed in in the city. And, and I came out, you know, with a bill that was part of an amendment to look at the structure of the mayor, because I think I think people perceive the mayor to have a different type of power. And certainly I think it, it um, is deceiving to the public, um, you know, what, what the mayor controls or what the mayor doesn't control. And so, um, you know, I, I would like that defined. And now you have the role of ward only voting and um, something that I now am seeing firsthand. I was against ward only voting and I, I, now I'm seeing council members become very territorial and sort of going, well, that doesn't affect me because that's not in my ward. And I don't, as the mayor, I represent everyone. Now I'm, I'm going to be the only um, representative on the council that represents everyone. And so, but I'm starting to see people become very territorial with CDBG money and, and their wards. And I get that, but I still think having them elected by the entire city only helps all of us and not just, you know, the portion of your ward. And then what if you have a council member that doesn't work very hard in, in their ward, right? And and you can't work with them. Sometimes people have conflicts of working with other ward members, and that becomes challenging, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's really too bad that the at-large position will now go to a sixth ward. And um, I just think it changes the dy dynamic of the city. And I understand why, you know, people support ward only to reflect what, you know, those areas that they live in. I get it. But at the same time, I'm really seeing it, um, I think, hurt the city and not help us. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Well, thank you I for really having appreciate me. It. I really appreciate the time and, and having me on. So thank you. Thanks for joining us on Indie Matters, the podcast, the Nevada Independent. I'm John Ralston. We'll talk to you next week.